As the Over a Third team, we would like to begin today's podcast by acknowledging the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples of the lands on which we are recording today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We recognise their continuing connection to lands, waters, communities and cultures and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We in particular extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who have shaped and contributed to netball over the decades. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Over a Third podcast. As always, I am your host, Dan, and tonight, after an absence from the two of us, um, due to a few things going on, um, I am joined by Steph, who is, yeah, I mean, going. Steph, how are you? <laughs> Look, I'm standing and I'm ready to go to my happy place, which is talking netball. <laughs> how are you? Do want to be clear to everyone on record we don't actually make steph stand or wait for this <laughs> podcast she does have a chair <laughs> yes my uh broken back due to netball <laughs> makes me stand but uh that's all right the chair's we're, there we're in the happy place we're in, we're the, in the happy, happy place, place. <laughs> uh, daniel I'm how are you traveling well. uh i'm going well things are um actually quite busy on the netball front for me um with my uh, commercial involvement kind of kicking off as we head towards the year, it's a good time to get busy for the players that we do work for across a variety of winter codes, but netball is obviously my focus, which is exciting. And um, yeah, I'm now, we're not far away. I know we're not far away from the netball season and part of me really wants to have the season. Um, the other part of me is like, I wish it was a little bit further away because I'm running a marathon the weekend before and like, that's creeping up real fast now that netball is not that far away. Is the marathon to Melbourne so that you're here for round one? Is that how you're traveling this time? Uh, it, no, I'm not. I, I am on a flight from Sydney to Melbourne for round one, but um, I will uh, will be on my feet for quite a long time the weekend before. So if I can sit down and stand up by the time I fly down to Melbourne, that will be a moral victory for me. <laughs> Why do you do this again? You know, that's a question I've been asking myself a lot recently. Most mornings when I'm out running, I'm like, whose stupid idea was this? <laughs> Damn you, past Dan. <laughs> but here we are. We're in our We've happy got, place. We are in our happy place. Um, and I, I think tonight we'll kind of, um, I know we've been teasing for weeks that we're going to do a big kind of super netball preview recap discussion everything but given that ariana's not here i kind of don't want to deprive her of that um so i think what we'll do is we'll keep it fairly short this time we now have what we think is the final list of training partners we have a list from every team i'm just not sure it's complete from all of them um and so i think we might go through that and then i posed a little question in the group chat steph that kind of you you looked at me funny when I put it in there, but um, I want to find a reason that every team can win the 2024 Super Netball Premiership. 
And I want to talk through a reason why every single team won't win the premiership. So basically we're going to look at who has like what upside teams are going to need to win. And then what is that flaw that they're going to have to overcome if they are to be the one that wins. And as a bit of a spoiler, I think some of these flaws and upsides are more of a stretch than others, but we're going to, we're going to find something for every team because every team has hope and going into round one, no one has lost yet. No one has won yet. And it's anybody's competition. But first, training partners. Where do you want to start? Well, great question. Let's start with Melbourne because there are some vacancies that will impact who actually stays a training partner versus who might get a Guernsey in a 10. There are. I guess there's there's two in Melbourne and um, both find themselves in the same part of the court, which will be really interesting. But the Mavericks inaugural training partners are Shimona Nelson, or Shimona Jock now, sorry, Montana Holmes, Unique Pallavi, and Jesse Grenvold. Some big names sitting in a training partner spot. Yeah, I think there was a lot of conjecture at the time when Shimona Jock missed out on a contract that what was she going to do? Was she going to go to England? Was she going to you know, try and get on in New Zealand? And she's found a latch on at the Mavs. And I think it made sense because I think one of the things that the Mavs do have as a bit of a kind of structural thing, and we talk, we're going to talk about it later, is that the defensive end doesn't really have a early goalkeeper as I'm going to describe them. I think that's kind of the, the word I'm looking for is someone who's a bit more physically imposing to play goalkeeper. Um, and I think actually having a really strong holding shooter like Shimona Jock in training is a good way to practice. If you know, you're going to have to learn how to do it on game day. Um, Unique Pallavi is a really interesting one for me. I think after the netball world cup, some people thought she might pick up a contract but she's stepping up to a training partner this year and um, that will be really interesting for her. And then Montana Holmes and Jesse Grenvold getting a, a run as training partners is really exciting for them. But for a team that we think is thin on defenders, which we'll get to later, there's not a lot more defensive strength waiting in the wings as a training partner, is there? No, and I guess it's, you know, something we commented on previously with the Vixens where they didn't really bring in a midcourt where potentially they're now lacking a fair bit of experience in their midcourt. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to know the kind of process that teams go through when they select their training partners. I mean, with this, with the Mavericks, it's kind of like, oh, well, potentially you can view it as these are four bloody good players who are on the precipice and they've just sort of gone with those four bloody good players without necessarily too much tension to court balance. But I mean, in this case, it's potentially paid off for them with the unfortunate injury we will get to. (laughs) Um, Mm. But it'll be also interesting to see what they do with the rookie spot. And if they do sort of elevate their one defender to make sure that if that's the part of the court that goes down, they've got that experience 
well, slightly more experience, slightly more exposure on game day and that process ready to go. And I don't think we fully understand the rules of the rookie play yet because I guess my question is if uh, if you have a, an injury and you're elevating a training partner, do you have to elevate the rookie or is the rookie automatically the kind of 11th player and you can bring someone into the 11 to fill the gap? Hmm. Yeah, I feel and like... I don't have a copy of a full CBA <laughs> to tell you, so uh, maybe someone who does can let us know because that would be really interesting. And I think that will play a factor into who elevates who as their 11th player. Mm. I think some of the commentary around the potential shooting spot that's opened up at Mavs, the one would sort of think that Shimona Nelson or Shimona Jock might be a lock on that now. But if you actually think about it, then you've got Nelson, Sinclair, and Jovic. From plus, the pies. Yeah, from the pies, which was not a winning attack end. So is someone like Unique Pallavi actually in a better spot to... Well, I have a feeling that Unique Pallavi is better placed for it. And I think part of it is that. I think the other part is that and we're obviously talking about Sasha Glasgow is the injured player um, who's had a, a broken leg um, in a preseason match a couple of weeks ago now. But I think Unique also has the flexibility. She can kind of dabble in both goal attack and goal shooter, and that's something that Sasha did. And I think it is going to be so important for the Mavs given that Cardwell offers that versatility. But if you have really players who only offer one sort of skill set like Sinclair and Jock. You kind of have to play Cardwell as the lever rather than be able to really use the versatility to your advantage because the way I see the best advantage is if you had a Glasgow and a Cardwell, either of them can hold, either of them can drive. But if you only have one player with that skill set in the circle at a time, you kind of have to play to more traditional roles. And so I think having... Palavi with the ability to play both positions and have both roles probably puts her in a position where she's a, a shot to get that spot instead. Hmm. I mean, it would be certainly interesting to see the result of that and how much, I guess, Tracy Neville does think Palavi can play that goal attack position. I mean, sort of word on the Victorian street is that Palavi sort of missed out on progressing through the Vixen's pathway and Victorian pathway because she struggled more in that goal attack position. And I think even, you know, at World Cup, she was so dominant goal shooter, not necessarily hugely tall and certainly mobile as a goal shooter in the way that we've sort of seen, you know, Sophie Garbin when she plays Diamond's goal shooter be quite mobile amongst other players. Um, but, yeah, whether they do sort of have Pallavi come up, be more of that go-to holding shooter to move Cardwell out front if Sinclair's dropping and then obviously have sort of Sinclair and Cardwell be the starting goal attack goal shooter um, with Cardwell back at shooter. In which case, maybe they do look at Shimona Jock because if that's what they're looking for, then... You might yeah. as well get, yeah. But again, potentially Jock isn't that mobile of a 
holding goal shooter where Pallavi certainly, I think, showed at World Cup that she could release the pressure outside the circle and then get back. Yeah. I think it will be really interesting. Um, I mean, I guess they've listed her as goal attack slash goal shooter, but I also take what the Vixen said about developing a goal attack with a grain of salt because it's been, what, four years since they properly developed a goal attack? Oh, triggered. Um, how, how long has it been since the Vixens really had a, a strength at goal attack? Because Kip Austin dipped in and out of games last year, and before that, there is a litany of players that did not own that spot. Well, yeah, I mean, very fair. And, I mean, I think part of the reason why Pallavi was even tried out there in the Victorian pathway was because she is not necessarily as tall as other goal shooters are. But, yeah, maybe Vixens are sort of missing missing their or not seeing the opportunities in front of them. Well, speaking of the Vixens, they do, in fact, have goal attacks in their training partner ranks. Um, they're Training partners are Ruby Barkmeyer, Emily Andrew, Maggie Karras, Gabby Coffey, and Lily Graham. They are also a team with a shooting vacancy, um, not through injury, which is why actually I missed this player on my list when I made the injury list. But Mike <laughs> Wenda is pregnant and will miss the season due to maternity leave, I guess we say. Um, and that leaves in theory, a shooting spot up for grabs at the Vixens as well. And I think it's it's really interesting because the Vixens signed Garvin, and I think they signed Garvin to play goal shooter, but to be able to play goal attack and to have that really versatile set where you could play mm. Wenda or Garvin at goal attack and goal shooter with each other, which, in my opinion, may well be a hiding to nowhere because there is not a track record that that is a winning formula for either of those players, really. But we're going we're gonna to see how they go because now they're going to have to find someone to play the shooting role in some form or another at the Vixens to replace Kumwenda this year. Yes, and certainly the rumours coming out of the New Zealand preseason games was that Emily Andrew had a fair amount of time on court um, including at goal attack, which I think is a somewhat of a surprise to many of us VNL watchers. Mm. Um, she has played goal attack before, but certainly again dominates at goal shooter and has spent most of her VNL time in recent years as a goal shooter. But um, you know, if we're going to toss Ruby out yet again, <laughs> not well, give her another chance, then I guess Emily, it is. That, that's my question, is that if we're going with Emily Andrew, at what point does Ruby Barkmai say, I'm a, I've had enough being slapped in the face? Because three seasons in a row, that would have been the case? Because we had Samerson was jumped ahead of her. Then we had um, Borgia, mm. and now it would be Andrew. The, the three, plus the season she had on the roster that was... Abysmal. What might kindly be declined, decide, kindly be described as an unmitigated disaster. Indeed, and um, I can tell you because I was there in some of those press conferences, and they were not fun. I can't imagine. I can't actually imagine what they were like. You could hear the dressing room sometimes. Mm. <laughs> 
but yeah, it, it I mean, poses a serious question: Are they going back to Barkmeyer, or if not, one, what are they doing with Barkmeyer, and two, is converting Emily Andrew to goal attack the right answer? Well, exactly, and I think you know, I, I would suggest that if Ruby misses out yet again, then she really should start trying to Tracy Neville. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd I'd be walking certainly yeah. up to Waverley and probably anywhere in the country. Ruby, if you're listening, um, <laughs> call me. I'll help make it happen for you. I'll make those calls, no problem. <laughs> um, and I think it is unfortunate. Like, we haven't had the opportunity to really see Ruby in her development since, other than the final. She came in and, you know, essentially helped the Vixens win um, um, before heading over to Perth to go up against Fever. So, and her movement and timing then was phenomenal. So that had improved. And then the only other thing was the confidence on the shot. So, you know, surely that's the essential part of being a shooter. Give her another crack or, you know, bring one into the 10 and have the other one be the rookie. So you've got your options on the bench. Well, also it, it does beg the question if they're not the answer. I mean, Victoria really did have the pick of the goal shooters among the non-contracted players. We're about to run through a few more. And there is no excuse for not having the shooter that you wanted if you're the Vixens, unless you sent them away because you had your pick, basically. There are a heap in Victoria. There are more still in VNL who would jump at the chance. You've got to find the right one. Like, there's, there's no excuse to not having the right shooting training partner who is going to be your replacement for Kornanda. Hmm. Yes. Unfortunately, I do suspect that this wasn't, um, you know, as is Kamwenda's every right to wait until the appropriate time to tell the club. Um, but I think the Vixens really thought they had a great, you know, combination, much like they did the year they did win the grand final during COVID up in the hub um, in the sort of Thwaites- Kamwenda Philip combo really felt like we saw that again. And then unfortunately for the team and the fans, as much as we wish Kamwenda all the best luck in the world, uh, we've left a bit of a hole. <laughs> I mean, these things happened everywhere. You look at the maps. Absolutely. That there's well, no, like Sasha Glasgow didn't intend to miss the season. <laughs> it's not yeah. exciting that she's missing the season, but the contingency planning is the same, whether it, you're missing for a great reason or not a great reason. Like both teams need to have a contingency. And honestly, I feel better about the Mavs contingency plan, which <laughs> not saying it because I'm not loving that plan. We are about to talk about a contingency plan. I do really love, um, but I don't think either Victoria teams have nailed it. <laughs> that said, I have been proven wrong many times. People have previously told me that I have half a netball brain and they may well yet be proven right. <laughs> the next team on our list, and this is the one with the kids' kids' plan I do like. So the training partners for the Giants this year are Chelsea Pittman, Kelly Singleton, Gina Crampton, Monica Otai, and Charlie Faitler. Now that... That is a set of backup plans. That is a set of contingency plans that you are happy with rolling into 
whatever you need to. And they have already announced that Chelsea Pittman will replace Matty Hay for at least the start of the season as Hay recovers from off-season hip surgery. But if I am the Giants, I am feeling pretty good about any of my training partners being elevated if required. Mostly because I know that the shooter won't be used and the rest of the team I have confidence in. That is exactly what that face was about. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, Kelly can enjoy that bench spot if she is required to take up a bench spot. But in all seriousness, I mean, the Giants knew about Maddie Hayes' injury over the summer and they mm. went, right, Chelsea Pittman, you're our backup plan. You're our wing attack contingency. You're an international player, top flight. And something happened to Chelsea. They've got, oh, wait, another international wing attack who can fill the void in Gina Crafton. In fact, not just any international player, but former Silver, <laughs> Silver, Silver Ferns captain. The, I mean, the leadership that you get from that, and especially given that this team is probably lacking a bit of leadership this year with April Brownlee and Amy Parmenter both leaving over the off-season, um, having that in the wings is going to be really important. And I think Monica Otai and Charlie Fiddler are very capable defenders if needed to be thrown into the fire. And I mean, given the amount of court time Matisse Leatherbarrow's seen, I wouldn't anticipate that Kelly Singleton would see a lot of time. Anyway, Matisse Leatherbarrow is essentially the contingency plan <laughs> for the Giants shooters. Mm. And I guess the only problem would be if it was actually Sophie that had to be out for a little while. Touch wood, nothing happens to Sophie. But is that when we actually see them have to look at Kelly Singleton and be like, Ugh, <laughs> was this the right signing? Do you send your heart back to her goal attack days? I don't. I feel like if that was going to be a thing we were going to see in this era of Joe Harden, we would have seen it when she was playing with Seabass and Kira Austin. Like, surely that was the initial plan on paper, was Seabass in shooter and Joe in goal attack. And then instead Joe was just like, nah, goal shooter's mine. Yes, but <laughs> I don't think this is a question of staking a claim. I think this is a question of what is the requirement. Mm. I think that they're slightly different scenarios, but you're you're right. We may well have seen it if it was going to be the case and we haven't really. I, th I think also like Joe's knees and period of her career that she's now in might also preclude her from goal attack. See, that's where I think you're wrong because I could see her standing with one foot inside the circle and one foot outside the circle. Every second phase receive, every goal assist, turn and shoot. No movement required, no knees, nothing, just standard <laughs> deliver. Just two goal shooters, wing defence, goal defence, and Chelsea, you're in charge of bringing the ball down court. Yeah, you just stand at and the Jamie. top of the circle, you're a distribution hub, and off we go. <laughs> I'm joking, just in case anyone is concerned. <laughs> just in case Julie was taking notes. <laughs> um, we'll uh, go across the road, or actually just across the change room, for the uh, Swift's training partners, and they have the longest list of the night. Gemma Donahue, Freddie Schneiderman, El Temu, Jess Conlon, Dakota Thomas, Grace White, and Audrey Little. Seven training partners. There is a whole side there. 
But yeah. I think there's a couple of interesting names here for me. El Tamu and Gemma Donahue are the really interesting ones for me because the rest of the players are really very much Swiss pathway players, academy players. We've seen them in and around the environment before. We've seen them in the academy before. But Gemma Donahue was obviously a Giants player and then went over to the UK last year and played in the NSL. And El Tamu is not an academy player. <laughs> this is another one of those silver ferns who are floating around SSN this year having a great time in their sabbatical. And there's a few of them. So, you know, all power to them. Great to have you here. Welcome to the to Oz. Um, but she really brings that kind of polish to what is otherwise a fairly inexperienced group. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Swifts handle the 11th player because they have, I mean, we talked about some of the other teams and the questions they have, but the Swifts have one player who stands above the rest in terms of experience. But I don't know about capability because the Swifts would have seen the rest of these girls and worked out who's got a combination already and who has the experience and who actually is the next one in. Hmm. And it's interesting that, that combination question because that could really hold Gemma back despite the experience she would have garnered in the NSL having yeah spent more time in the Giants Academy and Pathway like is that going to be a problem compared to someone like Dakota Thomas or Audrey Little that have been around the systems and environment and the players that are you know playing in the actual 10 Nah, because German Donahue played with Tegan O'Shaughnessy at the Giants <laughs> Academy all the way up. Okay, great. <laughs> um, but no, I think it it's a fair question. I do I do think it's Audrey Little um and Dakota Thomas uh existing training partners. They're kind of rolling on again this year. Um and German Donahue as well, obviously, has that experience. So there are kind of the t- I'm not gonna say tiers of players, because I'm sure within the Swiss environment they're all very much kind of equal and training partners are training partners, but some of these girls have been around longer than others or have more experience than others. And I wonder how many of them are focused forward because as we'll talk about with the Swiss later, they've got this continuity, but it also means that at some point there is every chance they're going to have seven to eight new players on their list. At once. Mm. I think also just like, again, the Swifts really training partner list really highlights to me that I just want to know more about the rookie spot like Mm. and you know when we look at Chelsea's obviously got the Maddie Hay injury replacement contract but does Gina Crampton really like sign on for the Giants to just be a training partner um I mean I know that her personal life took a bit of a yeah right turn (laughs) she's one of the we're going to get to that next, actually, because I think there is a player who, to me, jumps off the list as like almost in my mind without like without a doubt was told they would be the eleventh partner, and we're going to talk about the Firebirds next. And their four training partners this year are Riley Burns, Ali Miller, Liliana Rennie, and Sasha May Flegler. And for me, Ali Miller is that player who must have been hinted at or told outright that she was going to be a rookie player because she was a Swiss training partner. She was in the Swiss Academy. She obviously got that experience. She's relocated a young family to Queensland 
for a trading partner on Aurarium, <laughs> are you like, you can, you must be pulling my leg. Like there must be more to this than that, because that's just, I mean, for one, from a financial perspective, it's just not feasible yeah. any other way. And obviously also because Beck Bully was in the Swift's environment as well, um, and part of the New South Wales pathway, pathway does have that relationship with Ali Miller, which is why, again, you know, that kind of potential promise also makes sense from an outside observer perspective because, yeah, otherwise it's just very intriguing. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's more to it and we'll talk more about it over the course of the year because I think that as wild as the last player movement period was, we are not anywhere near done with the chaos yet. I think mm. this player movement as the sport is only going to increase. And I think there will be some stories that uh, hit at the end of 2024 that we will look back and say, oh, yeah, that was obvious. That was always coming. But when it happens, everyone will be like, what? That's out of left field. <laughs> Well, exactly. And I think, you know, again, if Ali Miller has been promised that spot and, you know, potentially some future proof planning going on at Firebirds, I put future proof in, um, you know, Better quotation promise. marks. Yep. Uh, I also will like reflect on that at Adelaide as well with Naya Allen returning to her roots and potentially in a future year returning to a Australian championships com winning combination with Lucy Austin and Georgie Horges. Don't, don't tempt them. Don't give them ideas. <laughs> I want to see it. I just want to see Naya Allen with a full-time contract. I love Lucy Austin and Georgie Horges. I am ready to see it. Get all three on court at the same time, playing together and show me what they can do on the big stage. But back to this year... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Firebirds are interesting. You've got a, a short list, only four players, like the Mavs. Mm. Um, and again, more... that list will go down when someone is appointed as the rookie. So I'm just, does anyone, does no one want to be in the Firebirds environment? But a bit more kind of coverage mm. than the Mavs have, because the Mavs kind of have a bit more, a bit mm. less positional versatility across their training partners, whereas Firebirds really do have that coverage up and down the court for whatever crisis is thrown at them, or at least they think so. Um, up the highway from the Firebirds, though, we have the Lightning, and the Lightning are the only team so far to have named male training partners this year. We know that increasingly is a part of a super netball training environment that there are male training partners, but at this stage, the Lightning are the only side that have named. So the training partners for the Lightning this year are Annie Miller, Charlie Bell, Shannon Eagland, Maddie Hinchliffe, Bailey Boyd, Jada Delaney, and then Jordan Webb and Lachlan Carter are the male training partners. Shannon Eagland is still in recovery from her ACL injury, um, so she continues to receive treatment as a training partner. Annie Miller and Charlie Bell obviously have dropped down from contracted and temporary replacement player, and Maddie Hinchliffe has a lifeline with her sister back in her home state. Not where she came from originally, because she was at the Firebirds, but back at her home state. 
I'm getting my Hinchcliffe's confused, but I'm pretty sure Maddie spent time with Sunshine Coast as well. I don't know that she spent time with... I don't think she had a 10-day a spot. A 10-day. 10-player spot at Firebirds. Oh, you're right. I think you're right. I have my Hinchcliffe's mixed up. Yes. Hinchcliffe's mixed up. My yes. God, that is hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's really interesting. I think that... Um, this is somewhat also of a reflection of one, the massive injury crisis that uh, the Lightning dealt with last year. And two, is also a reflection of this squad that Belinda Reynolds wants to have because you have to remember last year's squad was picked and pulled together by Kylie Byrne before she signed on. So she didn't really have input into the roster. And um, we saw over the course of the year that Annie Miller was seemingly falling out of favor there. And I think that's reflected by the fact that she's only left on as a training partner this year and has lost her spot in the 10. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting though, that, um, you know, Annie Miller's kind of stayed in that environment and Charlie Bell for that matter. Um, I mean, Charlie, I think was a bit different. That was always an injury replacement, yeah. but Annie had that contracted spot from day one with Kylie. <laughs> um, but I think it really kind of speaks to either Annie not wanting to have to pack up and move states again or that she can see what Belinda is building at Sunshine Coast Lightning. She can see the influx of talent that Belinda has attracted, including Liz Watson, um, and is like, actually, I don't necessarily hate having to step back to be a training partner if this is the environment I get to be a part of and potentially have another crack at in maybe not a year, but maybe two years. Um, yeah, well, sitting behind this Watson's a terrible career move. It's It's <laughs> been a disaster for Hannah Mundy, whose reputation has not grown in leaps and bounds at all from that. <laughs> not not in any way, shape or form. Um, but, yeah, I think it is really interesting. And, um, you know, there's obviously a fair bit of experience on that list, but Bailey Boyd and Jada Delaney are up for the first time. Um, into the training partner level. And um, even though there's some experience, Miller and Bell are both really young. So there is definitely a future pathway there for the Lightning in their training partners. Mm. And Jada's a really interesting one to keep an eye on. Like she's been a name that is well-watched. Um, her mother having previously played at the elite level. Um, so yeah, all eyes will be keeping an eye out for her if she gets a debut in the future yeah it is interesting now moving west we're going to start in adelaide the defending champions who've named five training partners naya allen sophie casey kayla graham tyler Orr, and molly watson it's an interesting list there's a lot of south australian talent there which has really become a hallmark of the T-Birds in that they really have committed to the South Australian pathway and the players coming up through that, you know, netball competition and that pathway. And it's serving them pretty well. It's hard to, to argue. Well, and I think it's also like, you know, we joke about the South Australian Swifts um, and imagine if South Australia had have managed to retain, you know, the talent, that is essentially the Swift's defense end <laughs> as well as their current attack end. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, Shamira Sterling and um, uh, Tanya oh Wilson. God. 
thank you. Uh, are not at all to be sniffed at. <laughs> uh, but the combinations, and I, I think it's it. There is good evidence that bringing through sound combinations that have seen through the pathway together is a stronger foundation for success than having to figure out who can combine well. And I think we saw the T-Birds suffer from bringing in way too many imports in previous years up until sort of last year, um, trying to figure out what the right combo was and who could actually combine well together as opposed to actually finding units that do work well together. And I mean, that speaks to Wilson and Sterling as well. Like they are a unit that has international experience, that has silver medal and bronze medal experience, that has played in gold medal matches, um, that has beaten Australia in pool rounds. Like that is, again, sort of a unit that knows how to work together. So yeah, keep your South Australian talent. Give them, show them that there could be opportunity and a pathway actually to the highest elite level. And you can hopefully build generations of success, not just blips when you recruit the right assistant coach. Oh, you hope, but we'll, we'll see. We'll get, we'll get to that a little bit later. And the shortest list of the night and mm -hmm. the reason that I think we're potentially still incomplete is that the Viverian M3 players, Ruth, Ariang, Zoe Kranzberg and Emma Putt. Um, Kranzberg and Ariang both known to the environment. Um, Aaron recovering from an ACL injury, Kranzberg has been around and on the radar for a while. And there's some talent coming out of WA and they're another side that generally has relied pretty heavily on homegrown talent with a fair smattering of uh, imports, mm -hmm. particularly at one end of the court. <laughs> um, the import. But it, it'll be interesting to see. And they're another team who, I mean, I think their list is incomplete still. If I'm honest, I think there's still one, potentially two players to, to come in just because it's too short a list at the moment. Um, but who knows? It's it's an interesting list at the moment. And um, yeah, I guess I mean, Ruth and Zoe would both have seen some of and know that they're uh, pretty good. But I'm still not sure that you, you've got enough depth. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was so excited to see Ruth signed again and also to be the first training partner that they announced I mean that ACL was very sad um and you know it's just so good to see that she's clearly returning strongly and has a lot of faith still from the fever pathway and yeah that I think a lot of fans were cheering to see her re-signed and be the first announcement potentially one of the most exciting announcements <laughs> yeah um but it, that's our list of training partners for 2024 thus far. It's an exciting list. There's plenty to talk about. Um, but now we're going to have a little bit of an exercise that has, what I'm going to say, escaped from the group chat. Um, mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about all the eight teams and we're going to talk about why we think they can win the premiership. What's that, you know, special trait that they have that's going to allow them to win enough games to win their premiership. And at the same time, what is the reason that's going to stop them? What's that flaw that they're going to have to overcome to get there? So as my example, um, the Swifts, the reason that they can win the premiership in 2023 is they came within a couple of seconds of doing it in 2023. 
they were extra time in the grand final. They have the continuity. It's the same group of players, largely. Um, it's the same sort of experience that's won already two premierships. They know how to do it. And I think that there is, you know, that's the recipe for success and they know it and they can replicate it again in 2024. But their big weakness is that they're going to be heavily reliant on Sam Wallace as she returns from that crushing knee injury because they don't have Romel Derek and George to cover anymore. So if Wallace can't go, it's going to be on Sophie Fawns. And those are big weights to put on the shoulders of, of a young girl from Walker. And she's shown the ability in the big moments, but to carry the load for an entire season, if Sam's not going well, I think that could stop them winning the premiership because I don't know that they can rely on Sophie Fawns to go the whole season as the main goal shooter. Yeah, I agree. Sophie's definitely growing. And I think we will see her take another leap forward after, you know, the pressure moments she did play and played well throughout the final series last year. Um, but if she not quite sure she's ready to do that week in, week out, <laughs> 60 plus minutes every week um, with the sort of heavy hits and strong defense that will come up for her. But um, yeah, that's, that's a big one. I do also kind of want to mention the old, the other out from Swift's Tay Frey, Taylor Fraser. She was used a lot throughout the 2023 season. She really plugged quite a lot of holes and um, Swift's have obviously brought in uh, someone from their pathway and who did also feature throughout the 2023 season. So has, you know, certainly not going to debut or be new to the world, but very limited minutes. And I'm not quite sure has the versatility that Taylor Fraser did offer throughout their midcourt. Yeah. I mean, Fraser played all three positions at different times last yeah. year. Um, and also had five years of experience. I mean, she was all, you know, credit to Lily Gorman Brown. This is her second year. And she's essentially had three games mm. on court. So it's a big step up. And you're right, there are very big shoes to fill that Fraser has left. And I wonder whether that may prove to be a downfall as well. If there is a kind of injury bug, Ali Smith has definitely not owned the wing defense bib in the time that she's been at the Swifts, but she will have to this season. Or uh, Maddie Turner is going to be really unhappy playing a lot of wing defense mm. is the alternative. <laughs> And I think we've also seen like you this this is becoming more and more a league where your bench is essential to mm. success. And potentially, you know, this year the benches might be a bit more even in terms of being a bit um, you know, a bit more off the pace. But uh I think that yeah, that heavy reliance on Sam Wallace and having a much more inexperienced fourth midi. Um, will be their weak points. Now, I think next we should talk about the defending premiers, the T-Birds, who the reason that they can do it again is um, well, they did it last year. They've brought back a very similar list and arguably a little bit more support in there. Um, I mean, Eleanor Cardwell is a huge loss, but Romel Derek and George fills a pretty significant role um, Shamira Sterling, Latanya Wilson, and Matilda Garrett are all back. And uh, 
it's still going to be hard for teams to score. Um, so I think that there is definitely something there for the T-Birds that they can run it back with the same group. But the reason I don't think they can, the thing that's going to stop them is that Cardwell and Tracy Neville are massive holes and they haven't really plugged them just at all. Like there isn't, uh, to be fair, there is not really more than one or two players in world netball who could just step in and replace L Cardwell. And I don't think there are more than a handful of coaches. You could say the same thing about replacing Tracy Neville. Yeah, absolutely. And while Romelda Aiken George is a huge in, um, she's certainly not a like for like. And Lauren Frew also coming in is definitely not a like for like. So I suspect that they're going to need to play Georgie Horges in goal attack a lot more, which maybe is fine given they've also brought in Laura Sherian. Um, But is, you know, that... Is Sherian still a premiership winning player that can, you know, make sure that the T-Birds are back there? You know, I think we'll see them in finals, but I think that that attack end um, and that coaching prowess from Tracy Neville are going to be, I don't, I don't think it's their time to win the premiership again. Now we should talk about the fever. They finished third last year and I mean, the reason that they can win the premiership is a pretty simple one. Um, starts with Jay and ends in Haniel Fowler. Um, <laughs> because the world's most dominant netballer means that you are never out, really. I mean, the number of times that we've seen the FIFA blown out in the time that Janiel Fowler has been there is, um, like, count on one hand, mm-hmm. maybe. You could lose a couple of fingers and still probably count it on one hand. Um you are never out when you can score at the efficiency rates that Janiel Fowler allows you to. And I think that means that the fever are not to be discounted at all. That said, I think that the turnover in the side, the lack of chemistry and probably the lack of depth, because I don't think they've upgraded across the court. I think that is going to come back to bite them. I think they're going to just run out of depth um, and versatility Um when it comes to actually winning a premiership, because you do need that. And I think that that is essentially their fatal flaw in 2024. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think you can see some really good bones for a future contending side, but as you said, just so much change to the team means huge new combos. And, you know, unlike the Wilson Sterling unit that was eventually found and brought in they haven't they haven't brought in sort of defensive units at least and they haven't necessarily I mean Kranzberg's been in the environment last year um, but again still a fresh combo to then play week in week out on the Suncorp Super Netball um, stage I will say that a smart move was bringing Shanice Beckford in to be that combination and that unit with Janelle Fowler um, but yeah, so many combinations to develop. And I think I think we'll sort of see them suffer from what T-Bird suffered from for a couple of years, which was a defense end that can win ball, but then that inexperienced midcourt that still needs to develop, not actually being able to bring the ball to the attack end, even with someone as dominant as Janiel Fowler being able to make 
some very long crappy passes look good and score with yeah, them. The, <laughs> the big heat is not a successful tactic for yeah. a premiership. It's a, a nice trick to use occasionally, but if that's your plat A, you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah. Now, is it the Giants that finished fourth last season? No, the Vixens. I've lost track. Well, let's talk about the Vixens less. <laughs> Vixens next. Oh, wow. Yes. Talk about the Vixens less. I feel like that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't talk about the Vixens enough. So true, Daniel. Let's Steph a... does not have a gun to my head as I said that. <laughs> we should have a spin-off all about the Vixens. Sure. <laughs> Steph and her many friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's a pretty simple reason why they can win the premiership in 2024 and that is um they have the diamonds there are five diamonds in that squad now mm. um manix former diamond but a diamond nonetheless weston maloney austin garbin and diamond in waiting hannah mundy <laughs> that's that's pretty loaded um if that's not enough talent to win you a premiership, then not nothing will be, really. Well, I mean, again, I think this is where it comes to the bench and the rotations. Because, again, as I was saying, this is becoming more and more a 10-player winning sport. So that, that huge out with Kamwenda off on parental leave is a big problem for them, particularly if Kira Austin has times where she goes missing again in really crucial points. Now, maybe we won't see that as much with Hannah Mundy <laughs> um, and, you know, as opposed to like Liz Watson and Kira both battling to be in control of the attack end. But um, if Kira steps off the pedal, are we seeing, you know, Emily Andrew in goal attack or goal shooter with Garbin out at goal attack? So... That's that's I think the big question is that that bench. I as much as I have full faith. <laughs> I had a different fatal flaw for the Vixens in 2024, mm. and that is um anyone who watched the Vixens last time they played without Liz Watson. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no one saw that. No one has any <laughs> memory of that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have that very much burned into my brain. Um, and I think that. Hannah Mundy has improved, like leaps and bounds doesn't explain how much she has improved since that season. But there's a reason people say that Liz Watson is the world's best netballer um, and she makes everyone around her better. She lifts the floor massively and that is a big thing to put on the shoulders of young Hannah Mundy. And if she does it half as well as Liz Watson did, the Vixens will go okay. But you like... I don't think we all talk enough about how good this Watson is. And I think we're going to talk about it this season a bit. Yes, certainly. There is a lot of um, praying assumptions, expectations that Hannah Mundy is a master in waiting because she has been waiting behind the master. You could be a master in waiting <laughs> and still not be enough. Like, if it was that simple, the Vixens would have won every premiership since Liz Watson stepped into the league. Like it's, <laughs> it's not a guarantee even with mm. her, but it's a big step without her. Yes. Sorry, Steph. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. 
It's so, uh, should we talk Giants next? Yes. I think the reason that they can win the premiership is that super shooters are never out of the game. As much as people hate the super shot, you are very, if you can shoot them well, you are very hard to blow out. And it means that the Giants are almost always in the game and they can go goal for goal with everyone because they can double you in the back half of the quarter. But if we look at their fatal four, I think they are just, they're mid-court class short. Um, I think they probably lacked a little bit of mid-court polish last season and having lost the best wing defense in the game, Amy Parmenter will not have improved that for 2024. And I think that fatal four is just the ability to bring the ball up the court. I don't think it's there. Yeah, I agree. I don't really have much more to say about the Giants. I think in our last pod, I said I was very unenthused. I continue to be unenthused. Your yeah. analysis, I agree with. Next. Are, are you more enthused <laughs> about the Firebirds? Because the reason I have them, that they can win the premiership is that Danelle Wallam and Tippett one are two of the most dynamic shooters in the game. And they have the ability to go head-to-head, especially Danelle. But the fatal flaw is um, the 2023 tape. <laughs> Indeed. And for the record, the Firebirds make me feel stronger emotions. Excitement. <laughs> but not positive ones. <laughs> yes. yes. So, you know, tap tap to them or tap to the Giants. Depends how you see it. Um, yes. I mean, Danelle Wallum, ugh, always exciting to watch her. Uh, very excited to see what she and Tipper can do. You're absolutely right. Um, honestly, I'm a little bit excited to see Macy Gardner back. Never thought I would ever utter those words. Um, I get that in writing, please. <laughs> no, but you can put this on. I do have it on tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'd be keen to see her back on court. She was making some good strides. Uh, and then there endeth any sparks of joy um i like watching me back play yeah she i mean she's obviously been injured in the off season which is why she didn't get um well yeah missed any opportunity for the diamonds uh so it'll be interesting to see how she recovers um she and camo certainly have you know showed that they had a decent combination and could certainly work well together but you know, Ruby just has to be shuffled around to try and block holes when they want three of her instead of one, the only one they've got. So, so what waiting... you're saying is the Firebirds do not spark joy. No, <laughs> no. And we've also obviously got Kimmy Rav recovering from a back injury. So yeah. that's another big problem for the Firebirds. Also, 2023 happened. That's a big problem for the Firebirds. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. One team whose 2023 tip I think is not revealing of anything <laughs> is the Lightning. And th- I think there's two reasons that they can win the premiership. And um, Courtney Bruce and Liz Watson be those two reasons. I don't uh, think I need to say anything else beyond mm. you added two of the world's best netballers. <laughs> cool. Go for your life. Like how many diamonds? Four diamonds now? Well, Steph, I want to say Fretwell is her yes. married name, uh, is no longer a diamond, but, you know. She's has still certainly... a diamond. They didn't take away her cap. 
She's yes. just not playing in the diamonds, but yeah. she is still a diamond. Well, I suppose if we're saying Emily Mannix is, um, then yes, <laughs> Steph Fretwell definitely is. Um, but yes, I mean, Steph Wood, Karakone and Liz Watson is just going to be a horrible wall of attack that people are going to have to deal with and probably cry over if you're not a Lightning fan. Um, and then you've just got Corny Bruce eating ball. Like, well, yeah. I mean, well, eh, well. that said, the fatal flaw for this team, for mine, is um, how you get from A to B. We know mm. Courtney Bruce wins ball. We know that Watson and Fretwell and Conan will score. But I am concerned about how the ball gets from one to the other. Yes. Much like the fever problem. Who, when you get the intercept, who's taking it to goal, to post? Because you can play Liz Watson like a wing attack who plays like a centre. And you can play Steph Fretwell like a goal attack who plays like a wing attack. But her knees won't hold up for the full season if you try and do that. Mm. They're going to need Ava Black to step up. They're going to need Mahalia Cassidy to continue to play at a high level. And that is potentially a fatal flaw. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I think this is Cassidy's season that will make or break her. I think, um, and at least her time at Sunshine Coast Lightning. She obviously moved there to see success. Belinda is keeping her around because she can see something good there, and certainly she is absolutely an elite athlete, but can she get to that next level to help bring that team to a premiership? This is going to be the season to find out. Yeah. And our final team for the night, the Mavs. Um, the reason that I think they can win <laughs> is I think they have a lot of versatility. They're going to throw all sorts of things at people. And Tracy Neville is Tracy Neville. And I think that that speaks for itself. But the fact that the Mavs have so many players who can play two positions and change things up when they're not working, I think is going to be a real strength. But as we kind of hinted at earlier, I think their fatal flaw is going to be in their defensive end in that they don't have someone to go against the big goal shooters who has the power to go against the Fowlers and Wallaces and Conans and all the other kind of big, heavy goal shooters that you know stand their ground and make you win ball against the body because... Liv Lewis has shown that she can go up against players like Janelle Fowler, but can she do it for 60 minutes week in and week out across the season? And what is the plan to replace Sasha? Because that is a massive hole in their season. Yes. I mean, I think that I had uh, the Mavs in fourth with the team that they had signed. And I think that fourth position is certainly going to be a big um, fight. And I think that without Sasha Glasgow, that fourth is going to be a hard thing to secure now. So, you know, not to count Tracy Neville out. She is absolutely a world-class coach. Um, but I had questions about this when they had the fantastic Sasha Glasgow and I think that that is going to be a huge unrecoverable blow for them, at least for this season. 
And I mean, Tracy Neville won gold in 2018 with a stellar England crew and then came home with the bronze in 2019 in a home World Cup. So Tracy Neville by herself cannot (laughs) get a whole team across the line to win, obviously. So I think that it's not impossible. It's not out of reach. If they can get into fourth, you know, once you're in finals, anything can happen, but they have to secure that final spot. Yep. I I think you're right. And we will leave our tips for the season to the predictions episode. So I won't put you on the spot tonight and tell me who is going to overcome their fatal flaw, unless you Mm -hmm. want to volunteer that. Uh, I mean, I think Swift's lightning and I'm still backing Vixens to be top three. Those glasses, they're, they're good for you, those glasses, aren't they? <laughs> Look, we've still got Garvin and Austin who will win us enough games and then we just have to make sure they're ready to combine come finals. And Hunter Mundy is going to be maybe not the master, but she'll attain a master's belt. <laughs> Okay, yeah, the glasses are pretty good. There's some, there's some Delulu right there. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not at all. You'll eat those words, Daniel. I, I think that there is every chance the Vixens finish third. Don't get me wrong, but mm. I think there is, for me, there is a chasm between one and two and everyone else this season. As I said, once you're in finals, anything can happen. <laughs> Yeah, I, trust me, I'm well aware. I was at three Swiss finals last year. I know exactly damn well how stressful and what can happen there. Yes. Yes. But we will leave it there for now. Um, thank you, Steph, for coming on. Um, appreciate you busting through a busted back to uh, help us get some content out tonight. Um, we are very excited. We're going to do a big preseason recap soon um hopefully next week is we can get ourselves all sorted and a big netball chat ahead of the season plus tinkles cup is now as we sit and record three weeks away Woo. god that sounds so close when i say it like that um which is very exciting so um we hope you enjoyed tonight's or today's episode um we are the over a third podcast uh, Steph, if people want to chat netball and um, buy those Vixens coloured glasses that you have, where is the best place to chat to you about those? I am at Steph Ariara, S-T-E-P-H-A-R-I-A-R-A. Please feel free to talk netball and take me to my happy place anytime. And uh, I'm Dan. You can find me at Decopple um, on all good social medias. And um Yes, we have the Over a Third podcast team. You can find us at Over a Third Pod on uh, Instagram and I'm still calling it Twitter. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and follow us at Over a Third Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else. Chuck us a follow or subscribe, leave a rating and a comment. We'd love to hear from you about what you think each team's reason for winning the competition and their fatal flaw for 2024 plenty to discuss um, so stick around hopefully we'll see you next time thanks for listening and uh, enjoy enjoy